There we go. The intro really warms my heart for this one, you know? What's up, guys? Welcome back to Kind of Funny Studio Ghibli in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every single movie written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. I'm very excited about it. And I am Tim Geddes, joined by mm-hmm. Nick Scarpino. Hello. Andy Cortez. What was that? Well, I just laughing. crushed my fucking finger, dude. Ooh. <laughs> Didn't I thought you were laughing that. at him saying he was Tim Gettys. Uh, no. <laughs> no. To be fair, Andy, when you crush your finger, you flex your tricep, and it looked really good on camera in that white shirt. Oh, thank you, dude. Well, no, it's because I, li- I lifted my chair, and my finger got stuck between my chair and my table. Uh, it happens to me when I sit when I sit down on the toilet all the time. <laughs> we have Kevin Coelho. Wait, you want to elaborate <laughs> Sorry, there? No. I just wanted to see if that would make Belinda laugh or cringe, <laughs> and it was kind of both. It was kind of a mixture of yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, joining us for this entire run of the series, we do have Belinda Garcia from Ubisoft. How are you hey, doing? Belinda. Great. I'm excited. You're looking fantastic. You're sounding fantastic. Look at you with a new camera, a new, new mic. New, yep. I'm, I'm set up now. It's going to be like this for the rest of them. I was complimenting you before the show, but I want to compliment you for the people. You got to sh- give a shout out to Belinda for the color coordination between her outfit and the, and the backgrounds. Always a big fan of that. That's pretty professional. I wanted to give you a compliment too because you had you had a lot of yellow theme going on, but then you changed it. Who me? Yeah, earlier your lights. I just, are I just had my light. No, it's because the lights are on, Tim. The lights are just that on. Looks dope. There was no, there's no yellow theme. Mm-hmm. Oh, Anyways, like whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, you can watch this show live every Friday on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games every week. We're doing another Miyazaki movie on Tuesdays. We're doing Christopher Nolan movies. Um, that's been going really well as well. So you can check it out live on Twitch. You can watch it later on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen to it, just search for kind of funny reviews on your favorite podcast service. Uh, if you want to get the show ad free, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny. And uh, you can even become a Patreon producer like Muhammad Muhammad or Al Tribesman. Momo and Al, woo! The big Thanks dog. For supporting. Thank you very much for your support. Today, we we're talking about Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. They're like, one of isn't enough in this title. We're going all the way, baby. Mm-hmm. Released on March 11th, 1984. Uh, directed, once again, by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, this was actually adapted from the first two volumes of an original manga, which Miyazaki himself wrote and drew. Um, he took breaks from working on the manga and worked on the earlier anime movies he did. The manga is longer and more complex than the movie, featuring many more characters and stuff. I didn't know that. I thought that this was just like an original thing, but same, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. It kind of um, makes sense though, because you see, there's a lot of lore baked into this that I think for me, watching the first time was a skosh confusing because you can tell that he was like, there's he has all of these kingdoms fleshed out mm-hmm. and figured out, and the print, like the dynamic between the princesses and how they fit in with their their relative societies is like it's a little bit more deep than I think the movie gets across. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, not to say that it's bad. I think I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, but that I I went in and there's like, there's just a moment where you're like, I think I'm just supposed to sort of understand just how all this it. works <laughs> and go with it. But it is confusing with the three different like the Valley of the Wind folk, the Telemachians, and then the uh, the Pegites. You're like, this is this is deep. There's a lot of stuff going on here, and 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 there's more story here than meets the eye. And there's a lot of history from like, you know, the war that happened and then um, how the jungle came up and they touch on it a little bit. But I kind of want to read the manga to dive deeper. Um, It is the first uh, Miyazaki movie to feature music by Joe Hishiyashi, uh, who will go on to do the rest of the movies. And good Lord, his style and scores are just 
utterly fantastic and really make the movies. Uh, a budget of roughly a million dollars and a box office of roughly $2.5 million. This was a, a big increase in profit uh, compared to Castle of Cagliostro because uh, that one was closer to $2 million just to make. Um, and this allowed them to then fund Studio Ghibli as a studio. So this movie technically wasn't Studio Ghibli, but the money made from it allowed them to create it. So it's kind of retconned in um, as being part of the canon. Uh, because that makes sense. And yeah, runtime of one hour, 57 minutes. Um, Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi, a.k.a. The Gooch, um, has cited the the manga and film as an influence in his video game series, Final Fantasy. Uh, The horse claws in the film were used as an inspiration for the chocobos. And when you see that, you're like, oh, those things are definitely chocobos. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Two more really interesting facts here. So uh, one of the more interesting production details on Nausicaa is that the film uses 263 distinct colors, and that's it. Uh, this is largely because because of the film's simplistic yet vibrant art style. Um, and that compares roughly to a lot of the color counts of movies around that time. But the color palette of this had more thought put into it than, than a lot of the other movies where they really wanted to make sure that every color kind of had a purpose or a meaning or was uniquely used to represent one of the different groups so that people can kind of understand just by watching kind of the ideas and themes that are going on. Very cool stuff. Um, and because of the color fidelity, though, the lack of color fidelity used in certain versions of the movie gives many people the impression that Nausicaa flies around in a miniskirt uh, with another piece of clothing underneath it. This is not the case. She's wearing pants that happen to be roughly the same color as her skin, and the skirt is actually just a lower part of a coat. So it's not huh. a skirt. Okay, that, oh, did so not, I- that did not come through for me. When I watched this movie, so it's like when uh, when Hey Arnold kind of wraps the jacket yeah. around his thing. You're like, mm-hmm. is he wearing a skirt? No, it's just it's a jacket actually. Um, dude, this movie fucking rules, huh? This like, is cool. I, awesome. I while, while watching this, all I could keep thinking was, there's no reason for there not to be a Zelda movie. Uh, oh my of, god, of some, yeah. of some sort, you know what I mean? And not that they're that they like you know have a lot of parallels or whatever, but just in, this felt like watching your favorite video game be adapted into a movie and obviously it was a manga before so that's where the adaptation took place but the world the characters uh i love the english dub i, I thought all the actors are awesome we got the boof the boof Dude, baby the boof when did they when did they Uma do Thurman the was fucking when did cool. they do the english dub 2005 oh, okay. um, Thank you. and some of the some of the highlights here uh include allison loman as nausicaa oh we have patrick stewart that's Lord yeah, Yuba. Hell yeah. yeah. Shia LaBeouf as Asbel. Uh, Uma Thurman as Kushana. I'm going through. We got Frank Welker, a.k.a. Megatron, as Goal. Um, and Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, mm-hmm. as the mayor. Yeah, and then Jody really cool. Benson, who, Belinda, is Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid herself, Ariel, is Asbel and Lestil's <laughs> mother. And also, also Barbie? Barbie and Toy Story. Yeah. And Toy Story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. Interview universes colliding there. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there was one other one that I thought was cool. Um, was the, the I couldn't figure out who the witch lady was. That's who it was. It's oh. Dot from Animaniacs. And then um, oh. Shia LaBeouf is um, Asheville. Yeah. Or, I always tell you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's another one yeah. where I was like listening so like carefully, and I was like, I know that voice. I figured right. it out, and then I looked it up, and uh, it was his first credit on voice IMDb. Yeah, it's cool. Shia LaBeouf? That's... No, no way. There's no yeah, way. Even, 2005 even was his first credit. Or holes. Hit the holes. 
no, 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 no. What's, what's trippy to me, though, is that he... So here's... Here, oh, I'm watching this. Wait. I saw that it was 1984. Mm-hmm. And then I hear the first voice. And I'm like, man, that actor sounds a lot like Patrick Stewart. And it wasn't until oh. literally 30 minutes. And then I was like, wait a minute. Maybe they just redubbed this way later. And I looked up yeah. there. That, that's why, buff and that's I was why like, it's his I was first... Like, is that the buff? That can't Guys. be the buff. There's no way it's the buff. Go ahead, Tim Geddes. I got... So there, there's two more facts here um that well i'm gonna combine them together because this might be my favorite fact i've ever given on in review here because this wow. is freaking awesome and incredible. we're ranking the facts now oh exactly so manson international and showman inc produced a 95 minute english dubbed adaptation of the film called warriors of the wind which was released theatrically in the united states uh, by new world pictures in 1985 followed by a vhs release in 1985 as well in the late 80s uh, Vestron Video would re-release the film again, and then they would re-release it again in 1993. And every time they just cut more and more and more to try to just make it more of just like an action, like a cartoon kids action movie. Right. Um, the voice actors and actresses were not credited and were not even informed of the film's plot line. And the film was heavily edited to market as a children's action adventure film, um, although the film received a PG rating just like the later versions did. Uh, consequently, part of the film's narrative meaning was lost. Some of the environmentalist themes were diluted, as was the main subplot of the Om- Omu, uh, altered to turn them into aggressive enemies instead of being kind of sympathetic. Uh, most of the characters' names were changed. Uh, they made her Princess Zandara just to, you know, keep it more, like, Americanize it even more. Um, and the the VHS cover focused more on the male characters uh, and some characters that aren't even in the film that are just in the manga. Um so approximately 22 minutes of scenes were cut from the North American release, drastically changing the movie. Here's the interesting fact. Dissatisfied with Warriors of the Wind, Miyazaki eventually adopted a strict no-edits clause for further foreign releases of the company's films. On hearing that Miramax co-chairman Harvey Weinstein would attempt to edit Princess Mononoke to make it more marketable, uh, Toshio Suzuki sent an authentic katana with a simple message, no cuts. I realized why it is the first thing because um, IMDb doesn't separate like a re-release for 2005 with the dub. So it has uh, it on his IMDb as 1984. 1984. Yeah. yeah. Which is not one. Well, it was, <laughs> it was cool. I, I wonder if anyone had any context for this. Like, I wonder if Uma Thurman went in with any context for this whatsoever, or if she just got some lines, knocked it all out in about an hour and a half, and was like, that was interesting and weird as fuck. Because you well, it to- sounds it sounds like I mean for me this there was a lot that I cut out but it sounds like for the the bad dubs they literally didn't know shit and they just recorded it but it sounded yeah. like the going forward with Disney from around this 2005 era they wanted to put a lot of love into the English dubs and making sure that it was as authentic as possible to the um, original intent and experience so I, I imagine that this was a bit more um, there was more than Done just a little more context yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 no uh, has any, have any of you seen this before this time. Because I, no, I have not. I have. You have? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Paula we were watching, yeah, too. Yeah. So with that, did you enjoy it more or less the second time around? It's funny because like, I, I, like, the whole time we were watching it, I was like, we've seen this before, but I don't remember any of this. I remember that like the solution is underground. And uh, so like it really felt like I was watching the first for the first time. But I did, like as we hit things, I was like, oh, that's right. I was like, there's a giant robot in this. And Paula kept arguing it's not a giant robot. That's a conversation I want to have with you guys. Is it a giant robot? I think it was like an organic. I, I always thought it was an organic like organism. That yeah, was but like so, are, so are androids, school. you know, from uh, what? Uh, Alien. 
No, well, yeah, it, Alien, it, but what's what's the other movie with the, the two androids? Blade yeah, Blade Runner. There we go. Dragon Ball mm-hmm. Z. <laughs> like they're Blade Runner. They're they're organic. I don't know. Like, See, that's that's the thing. That's what I kind of like about this is the lore. They just talk about the um, the War of the Seven Fires or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, uh, and fire, you don't get much about or... it other than these are like like ancient warriors that they somehow have unearthed that are in cocoons and that they can birth them and go and fight this yeah, toxic. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that they were fighting each like that like they're giant robots that nations made to fight other nations and well, they're like, like they well, all maybe it was nuclear war basically but oh maybe but this robots. thing was organic for sure so i don't know if it was an organic yeah, growth the, i mean the fact the fact that it melted and stuff but the it's beam like, in its oh, mouth did seem kind of mechanical mm, well yeah inside That's, its mouth it looked mechanical also like the way the bones have been left from like the other ones seems yeah. very much like you you know the robot designs i'm interested in actually looking maybe i read this manga I'm pretty sure it was just made of meat. It like yeah, I, whatever they were. I don't, I don't know if they were man-made or not, but I never really got. I didn't get the message from that. But what I what I like a lot about this though is I'm just a sucker for any time they um they they smash like technology together, and it works. And in this, I, it's so cool to see because like if you when you when she goes to the Valley of the Wind, it's like these peaceful farmers who are sort of living what would be the equivalent to like a couple hundred or three hundred years ago from where we're at right now, right? Where they're just they have these like these these windmills that are running the water and they're farming the land, and then you've got these other kingdoms that are more technologically advanced. Some of them are using like guns, but the guns themselves look more like muskets. And then we also have flying machines, but she's in a glider, and all of that like. It's just so cool to see them mesh those styles of like the the Tolmachian kingdom is like they're like they look like knights. They look like, you know, they have armor and they have swords, but they also have tanks. And it's just like for some reason those shouldn't work. But because the art direction is so well done in this and the storytelling is so uh, compelling and the fact that it's set a thousand years into the future, it just all is it's so 80s fantasy. But it's just like it's it, it works for me. Linda. Uh, this being your first time watching this, what what was your read on it? Um, I went into it like it was recommended to me, like you should watch Nausicaa, it's really good. And I was like, okay. And then once I watched it, I was like, I was blown away. I was blown away at how much I enjoyed it. I loved Nausicaa a lot as a character. I liked the world. Um, I enjoyed it like ten times more than I thought I was going to. So, when was the first time you watched it? Was it last night? Two nights ago. Yeah. Oh, two nights ago. Oh, got it. Okay. Wow. She's cool, man. I I really do like her as a character, I and I think her. that yeah. like she's she's so strong the entire time, but like there's still growth. And I I I love how video gamey this whole thing is too. Of like even just her getting the the blue outfit, and it's like they don't play it up as if it's a power up, but like towards the end when there is that moment where the the witch lady is just like. Like she's blind, but she's like asked it to be described to her, and she's right, yeah. like, "Holy shit, this is the prophecy!" It's like, oh, yeah, it was, right. it was hype as hell. Yeah, the even, uh, uh, again, her character. I I just I love how earnest and how um, I don't know. I, I just she's felt so genuine as a character, Nausicaa, and and uh, I, I loved I loved the actors. I loved all the uh, the voice lines, uh, the readings of everything, the they did such an incredible job of without knowing much about the backstory of this world. Immediately. I know that these are three sort of warring factions and they were distinctive enough without having 
to do this crazy big backstory plot line, a B plot of showing you, hey, here's the history of them and here's the history of us. I think that I think it all just reads so well on camera. And that's so hard to do when you're trying to convey to the audience who they are, who's I already forget the Tolmachians and the what's, what's the, the Pegites. Pegites. Yeah, just differentiating them, I think, is so difficult to do. But I thought they did a really damn good job. Yeah, it was really cool. And I, I watched the movie half dubbed or half subbed and then half dubbed. And I the dub was awesome. Like I was a really big fan of it. Like I think Sam did a good job. And like, you know, obviously watching in Japanese is a totally different experience. But I I, I personally put them on pretty equal pedestals there. How were how the uh this the when you're listening to the uh Japanese uh voiceover what were the subtitles like? Were they super different, like in Lupin the Third? No, no, no. It was way more similar. There were some differences, but like it, it the point was there. I feel like all the differences gotcha. were just kind of like, they, in my opinion, enhanced it. Like Word, they made it make more work choices. better in in English than it would have if it was just a direct translation. Gotcha. But yeah, it wasn't like Lupin. Like the intent was all still there, um, and also the cast was just so good that it's kind of like, they, yeah, it's hard not yeah. to like Patrick Stewart and and uh, the Boof. But what, 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 what like Stewart as the Patrick Stewart as like the sword master so is just the coolest thing ever. Also, his design. <laughs> when he puts his hand up and gets just hit with it, and he's just uh, taking it. What the fuck? But I also like. I just really like the the sort of perspective and messaging behind this film, right? Like they're not shying away from the fact that this is basically an environmentalist film, and it's about you know. Uh, progress and trying to heal the earth and how human beings are responsible uh, in the end ultimately for the war and and the the all of the mistakes that have destroyed the earth in the first place and it's i just think it's so interesting how they that you you start in this moment where she's going through this toxic forest and it's 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 a, it's basically an alien scape that is terrifying and looks super dangerous and obviously that's where the the, the gas masks and then the sort of reveal that the insects are protecting it on purpose because they're more in touch with what what, what the earth needs. And it's actually though that those forests are purifying is just is so interestingly and perfectly done, especially with when you're seeing it through Nasca's perspective where she doesn't quite understand, but she empathizes with it for some reason. She doesn't know exactly what's going on, but she knows that hating these things is wrong. And she knows that 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 there's more to these these toxic jungles then meets the eye and then eventually when she figures it out it all kind of clicks for her and she's able to like do the sacrifice at the end and and, and make everyone see it's just a very powerful story the uh, final death in the the chat says the beginning gave me major ray skywalker vibes and like totally me too and that was something that i noticed throughout this entire movie is like there's so many elements this being back in 1984 where it's like oh wow that clearly inspired so many different scenes or elements of of movies or tv shows or anime or whatever that we've we've watched over time it's just kind of like it's always awesome to be like oh shit like someone definitely got inspired by this moment or whatever it is for man things. yeah i'm kind of like just watching this it, it's such an achievement in animation the, everything is so high quality and uh gorgeous looking but good lord a two-hour animated movie like i cannot that's got to take so long to make so dude. Long. <laughs> like like there's a reason why disney feature films were a lot of them are like an hour and a half an hour 20 or whatever because it's just there's so much work that goes into making these damn movies. And I, I did. I thought it was beautiful. I think another I think interesting up- thing about the animation, um, like the last fact I have here is that uh, the they didn't have that much money or like didn't have a studio. Studio Ghibli didn't exist for animation. So they outsourced all of the animation 
and they would have they would literally pay people by um frame for like so it was kind of just concocted frankenstein together from a whole bunch of different people doing it and so it's uh not all the animators that worked on it are even correctly credited uh just because it would be impossible to to track all that stuff wow um but one of them went on that that is credited went on to uh come up with uh evangelion Oh, sick. oh wow! Yeah, you can see. I mean, I don't know. From maybe it's more of a story perspective, but but the vibe of Evangelion and this are kind of similar. We're like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is going on? What is happening halfway through this movie? Um, if you guys, I think I brought this up last week, but you know, there's a great documentary about Studio Ghibli that we should all watch when we're done watching all these movies because it was like I forget what the last movie he was quote unquote supposed to retire on. I don't think he did, but it follows them doing that and their workload and their work pace is in there it's just it's insane is how it much the wind rises called no it's called like the in the something no. of madness madness and something else let me look it up the wind rises isn't that the final well, I th- yeah i thought that was the final oh, movie oh, he was that might, i'm sorry on. that might have been the yeah. one that might have been the one he was working on right. yeah really but the, the documentary is called like yeah. in the mouth of like madness wind and, and castles <laughs> well, yeah. ca- next movie castle in the wind oh. <laughs> uh let's get to the like a castle in the wind go ahead with that plot nikki come up Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are starting Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and we begin where all good movies should begin, with Patrick Stewart wearing some of his best Dr. Robotnik cosplay as he rides some crazy-ass-looking ostriches, also in Dr. Robotnik cosplay, uh, through <laughs> an abandoned village. He checks on one of the houses, but it's all in ruins, and he says, yet, quote-unquote, yet another village is dead. And this is just, visually for me, is great. It just sets up the world. This is barren. This is not a good place to be. It's going to be desolate, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, we get some text on screen. A thousand years have passed since the collapse of civilization. A toxic jungle now spreads, threatening the last of the human race. Uh, and then we get a, another stunning title sequence where we're seeing Nausicaa. We're seeing all the land. We're seeing Lord Dupa, who is a Patrick Stewart character, going through. And then we finally – we sort of – it's weird how they do this because at first you're like, oh, we're just doing more of a classic 80s anime sort of – you're seeing a smattering of the world and some of the characters. But then it actually like – you see Nausicaa and then the it just kind of goes into her story, which is super cool. And she's on her glider. We see her flying through the sky, of course, and then landing on the desert sand. She takes her hunting rifle out and heads into that alien jungle. Uh, she takes a quick pollen sample from the plant and, and, and follows some ohm tracks. This is the first mention of that. Into a clearing where she comes across a perfect ohm shell, which is really big and very, very scary. Um, of course, she tries to pierce uh, the shell with her sword, but chips her sword and we get a little moment where i guess they have like xenon ceramics something else blades that are super impregnable but it's it's zirconian and it's but it snaps it that's how hard these shells are uh and she says the shell should give her people and her village uh, material to build stuff for a very very long time and this to me is such a oh just at one point she's like i wonder if i can take this back on my glider and it's like no it's not possible it's so much bigger than you. You see well, the glider. She the canopy part. She, she's trying to the eye. Out, yeah, yeah, the eye. So she, that she could use as like glass. All right, which is cool. But I what I like about this is like it perfectly sets up who this character is. Right? right. She's going into this really scary place, and she's a not afraid. B. She's excited to find this thing, and her main motivation behind finding this is that she gets to provide for her village. And so that all that right there is like great storytelling, in my opinion. It tells you also, everything you need to know about this character. The opening being so dark and then cutting to Nausicaa, who is so bright and full of hope. And so, like, I just 
I love the contrast because they could have easily just opened up with her scene, but they wanted to yeah. show you like, what the world looks like and her attitude towards it. And it's completely different. And I think yeah, it's what's important cool too for me is having her go into this like dark area and, and ha having all that. The, the intro is so powerful because I love that when we see this giant ohm thing, like it, there's a moment where you don't realize, is it big or is she small? Because it's a bug, you know? Right. So I feel like the, the movie does a really good job of giving that question in the beginning, but immediately answering it and seeing that, oh, no, no, this is the scale where this thing is that big. And these are human sized things. And they, they do that by having other characters immediately like meet up with her and I, see that like there is the scale to it, which is dope. I do think that there is a moment in like uh, it, that like kind of screws, like, confuses me with the scale where literally she sees the explosion, hears the explosion, runs to the top and we see the shot of the giant like robot thing right mm -hmm. or whatever it is um <laughs> just call it a we can just call it a warrior okay the yeah. the large warrior yeah. the robot warrior <laughs> and and then later it like the next shot is it cuts to her his eye and she like pops up but she seems way too big like when it was cut wide the eye seemed enormous and then when it cut to her coming out of the eye she was as big as the opening and it was like, oh, like the perspective seemed off there. Continuity, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that <laughs> might have just been one of what Tim's talking about, where it's like, like some animator from across the country was like, I don't know, this is the best I got, guys. I got to yeah. go to the next one. I'm getting paid per frame here. Yeah, um, I, I sent out a letter uh, two weeks ago to, to ask about this, but they never yeah, got it. Nobody so got back to me. So I'll just, assume, I'll just assume the ohms are roughly one and a half times the size of Nazca, <laughs> That makes sense. We'll that makes on. sense. Uh, Nick, the, uh, the 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 vibe of the bug and the aesthetic of all of the sort of toxic jungles, uh, especially when uh, Nausicaa and Ash Asbel uh, uh, Asbel are, are stuck inside and kind of trying to escape or whatever. I got a lot of Axiom Verge vibes. Oh yeah, what's the exactly verge, man? Yeah, like by the <laughs> by, just the, the looks of the creatures and the environments. It's very. Like it, it felt like everything was dead, but still there was like it felt as if everything was still living and and uh, conscious. It was it was very creepy looking, very creepy and very beautifully done. I just want to do a quick note of like I, I love how um how Miyazaki decided to write these characters because the first character we see is an old person, right, an old man who has basically just been like I'm finding he finds everything dead and his outlook on 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 the world is very grim and it's very much like oh another dead. He says another. Yet another village is dead. Where, he, where so the expectation for the older generations is that everything's going to be dead. Then we see this younger generation uh, with the princess, where she walks into this very dangerous place, but she's full of hope. And it's such a cool juxtaposition to have those two scenes. I think it's very, very well done, and it immediately puts you in like the you're scared for her, but you're also excited for like what she can provide to the world um, through that perspective. Anyway, she goes and blasts the little canopy, uh, off the shell and then using gunpowder and then watches as these beautiful, but very, very deadly killer spores surround her. Uh, she makes some, she makes a note that they're beautiful, but they would kill her in about five minutes without a mask. And at first I'm like, is she going to be immune to this stuff? Are we going in the, what's, what's happening? You know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. Um, uh, gunshots. She hears gunshots in the distance and they, they alert her to uh, a nearby insect attack. She runs to investigate and pops out of the eye socket of the giant head off in the distance. She spots uh, the ohm that shed the shell chasing after someone. Uh, she shoots out a warning signal to the men to come to her and then chases them down in her glider. And this is the first time we see her hop on that thing. It's super cool. Dude. Uh, and again, cool ass scene though, this thing popping yeah. out straight up. Here's a boss fight. Straight out the gate. Let's go. 
But I also like at first I was like, oh, she just glides on the wind. But no, there is like a crazy technology in this glider and with all the planes <laughs> the, that like it has like a jet propulsion system yeah. on it. Yeah, like, the, oh, shit. The sound effects that that happen are so cool. Like when yeah. it powers on and does the it's, it's so cool. That being said, some of the musical elements where it's like the little kids singing fucking creepy. Uh, it's very creepy, yeah, but I think it me a lot with, of uh, Akira. Mm. And it was it was used there thematically as well. And here, obviously, when you're hearing that, you're you know you're you're supposed to kind of remember the, the innocence of youth. And then, of course, when we get that scene later, where all of it plays to me, all of it plays into the baby Ohm, where she tried to protect her the first time and couldn't, and then gets a chance to do that again, thus saving humanity. Again, I think a lot of this is uh, the messaging for me was these like the younger generations are going to be the one that save the world. And like, these are the ones that have better perspective and have grown up in this and just are not afraid of change. Whereas the older generations tend to be like a little bit more like, let's like one of the, one of the notes that uh, Obaba, I think is her name where she's just like mm-hmm. the, the kids are like, we're going to die. She goes, well, that's the way it's going to be. Right. And you're like, so that's, that I think is a purposefully done thing that keeps getting, that keeps coming up over and over again, that I think is, makes it ever more powerful when the younger generation decides to sacrifice herself for everyone else and then shows everyone else the way very, very well. Anyway, and then we get the um, weird, like eighties synth also. Oh, the eighties synth. How <laughs> dare you? I want you to say that again, but I want you to say the dope eighties synth. Oh man, it's just awesome. Nasty, nasty yeah. music in this. <laughs> Uh, oh, where she goes over when she discovers the Rome, uh, the Ohm, excuse me, is red with rage. It's the first time we see this. His eyes are super red. She stuns it with some flash grenades and uses an insect charm to calm it down and send it back to the jungle. Um, this is the first time you realize that these things aren't necessarily evil. Nasca catches up, of course, with Lord Yupa, who is hiding a fox squirrel in his pocket named Teto, I think was the name of it. Uh, the fox squirrel bites her, but Teto, despite, dude, my homie. despite drawing dude. blood, she doesn't flinch. And then she tells that there's nothing to fear. And then, of course, it subsides and becomes her best friend forever, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So that was the oh, basis of Evie? Is that? It was yeah. so cute. I it was so it. It's adorable. It's so much like an Evie. I want one yeah. so bad. I'm just saying cool, if there's though. a cat out there that looks like that, that would be acceptable for me. Uh, Lord Yupa <laughs> comments that she has a very she, – like, Nick, that's a big statement from you, and I don't, I don't I think it's being correctly like appreciated right now. <laughs> I don't like Nick cats hates cats. He's – he's uh, like, No. Oh, yeah. He does not like cats. <laughs> it's not that I hate cats. No, it's it just, is. Oh, here we, you, go. Here I we love, go. I that's love dogs that actually so hates much. Cats. No, I don't, I don't hate cats. I've come to the conclusion Nick, I don't hate multiple cats. times you, you've advocated for hurting cats. I didn't know. <laughs> I never advocated. No. Yes, you have. Yes, no. you have. We have yeah. of you Nicole. saying oh, if you, you see a cat, a throw it. <laughs> all I'm saying is that all I'm saying is this. I love dogs so much more. That's all I'll say. Let's let's focus on the positive. Let's let's yeah. channel Nasica. Dogs are just better. That's it. That, that is true. Um, As someone that has both dogs and cat, a dog and a cat, I can guarantee you, I love. I've known my dog for so little. And I love him so much more than my cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Lord Yupa comments there's mysterious power. When she asks about her family, she tells him that her father can't fly anymore. The jungle's poisons have taken their toll. Uh, Nasuka wants to short, show Lord Yupa her secret room. She asks him to carry back her canopy for her and then takes off in the wind. Uh, and, man, I, this is where I put, when we hear the music here, I put this movie is so fucking 80s. I love it. 
Um, Yupa comes back into town like Gandalf at the beginning of Fellowship, and everything looks idyllic. Uh, turns out Nausicaa is a princess, which makes sense since she refers to her father as king. That was a note that I put there, and then I said, don't say this out loud, but I did anyway. Uh, she's working on fixing a windmill, and it, it, it looks like she's pretty handy with a wrench. Uh, the town presents a baby to Yupa for naming, and that's kind of interesting that he gets to name it. Uh, Mito, we meet, who is uh, voiced by James, or not James Earl Jones, um, Edward James Olmos mm-hmm. is the voice of Mito. And yeah. that was one I, I didn't catch in the the litany of, of actors in this. And I was like, that sounds so familiar. How did they get all of these people for this is so beyond cool. me. But what a great idea. Um, let's see. Mito uh, talks shit about how Nausicaa wants to play in the toxic jungle. But the other, other uh, villagers come to her defense. And it's without her, they wouldn't find anything like the shell. So stuff your saris in an ohm. Uh, Edward James almost. Of course, Mito, we, we learn later, is more just concerned for her safety because he's sort of I've- a protector. Yeah, with that with that short sort of uh, dialogue exchange, I thought this was setting up Mito to be sort of a backstabber a guy, uh, yeah. uh, oh, right, uh, right. guy who's going to like screw everybody over. But then I thought that's too pure for Miyazaki. Like he won't do like <laughs> it, no, it just, just yeah. It's, it just know, turns out that everyone loves the princess and they just want yeah. her to be yeah. safe. But then like everyone looks up to her because she will take those risks. Uh, Yupa gives a report to the king. It's dire out there, man. Nasca king, Nasca's kingdom is perfect, but every place else is not in a good spot. The king wants Yupa to settle down there forever. But Yupa, his destiny, uh, as, as stated by Obaba, is to roam the land looking for the man in blue who will, will reunite and save the planet. And uh, of course, everyone's like, that's just an old painting, an old tapestry uh, that's just been hanging above the king's bed. Nobody actually believes that. But Obama's like, I look like the witch from Snow White. So Listen, you're just going to. this moment, I just wish that Nausicaa wasn't in blue because they're like, oh, you're looking for a man in blue. And then it cuts to her and I'm like, we could have saved that reveal for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little on the nose because the second a they did that, bit. I was like, wait a minute, the princess has been wearing blue the whole time. <laughs> the whole yeah. entire time. Is she the next avatar? Um I uh like, oh like so so how like the princess is wearing like yeah no well she that's like that's more like a periwinkle. Like yeah. it's not really <laughs> yeah. it's got a hint of black. I, I think the, the, the like reveal was that it didn't have to be a man, right? Because <laughs> like yeah. I feel like yeah. they could have done point, something a little further. Yeah, they could have sure. they could have done it a little bit differently. They could have had her just change later. But either way, um, wait, does she look like the witch from Snow White or Sleeping Beauty? Which which witch does she look like? Which which am I thinking of? Belinda. She, she really looked like the the witch either. from uh no. from who has the uh, house, house moving castle. She reminded me of House Moving Castle. Snow White. Snow White. Okay. Oh yeah, Snow. House Moving Castle is the one that I think of first. Yeah. Uh, Mito knocks on the door. Uh, apparently, Gaul has detected something in the wind. There's a storm brewing, and something's not right. She spots a light in the sky. It's an airship. Lord Yupa uh, joins the group, and together they watch the ship approach, and it is enormous. Turns out it's a Tolmekian ship. Tolmekian ship. Uh, it's making an emergency landing. Nasca jumps on her glider to help guide them through uh, them uh, to the shore. But and man, the glider just looks super fun. Except this whole situation is not good. When she gets near the ship, she she notices the bugs are chewing through the cockpit. Before she can help, the ship of course crashes into the mountains. Uh, and there's an amazing sound cue moment here, where she looks over and the sound goes dead silent as we see um, the other princess, Lestelle, just in the window for like one second, and they kind of lock eyes, and then the, the ship crashes. That's um, so funny because I never know when my tv is cutting off with audio because it's been doing that lately right <laughs> and so i thought there for a second i went oh wow that's a cool effect i, I love cutting <laughs> off the audio and i thought wait maybe my tv just fucked up <laughs> no it was i think it was baked <laughs> okay in there. cool 
Uh, Nasca lands. She finds the wreckage on fire. Uh, she rescues Listel of Pedjite from the wreckage and notices that she's she has chains on her wrist, so she's been imprisoned by whatever the ship is. Uh, but then, of course, when she attempts to help her, it's too late, and Listel dies. Another uh, moment of like showing so much with showing so little, where she's like helping her like get her shirt off, stops, like you see the expression in her face, like oh fuck, that's too and late. Just closes up and like the yeah. tone totally shifts of like, hey man, let's just relax. Yeah, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you through this through this. this and she, yeah, and and she, just, and she and and I think what's so awesome about her character is because she's so young, but she so on acts like it. the adult in like every situation. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah I love I love that whole sequence. At first, I thought I wasn't sure if she was seeing a wound or if she was seeing some sort of infection from the toxic sort of. Mm. Mm. jungle I, I wasn't really sure how to differentiate I, i'm also eating because... a vitamin so that's why i'm talking this way oh i thought it was a wound i thought it was a what, what did you say melinda i thought it was uh because the spores or whatever they don't want you to breathe them so maybe like they saw an infection from her lungs that's what i thought because she was opening her shirt um so i think it's like a lung infection mm. gotcha yeah. Uh, either way, Listel tells her to burn the cargo at all costs, but Nasca's like, hey, we're way ahead of you, because it turns out when you cram a giant ship into a mountain, it just explodes, and everything's oh on fire God. anyway. Uh, and by the way, that's got to be the biggest ship I've ever seen in my life. It's like, we're yeah. talking like enterprise levels of the, the size and scale of this thing. The destruction would be... They go down so massive. easy, though. Like I know. Like, every other ship just shoots it like five times, and it's like, oh, no, I'm glad, no. I'm glad that Mito pointed it out, though, later on, where he's like, man, these things fucking go down quick, huh? Uh, Mito arrives and wonders aloud of what a Pedjite princess is doing on a Tolmakian ship. Uh, Nasca cuts her chains off, and then, of course, rests her hands on her chest as uh, she finally passes. Uh, they find an enraged insect in the wreckage, and Nasca uses her insect charm once again to calm it and then take it back in, and talk it back into the air. Uh, after which she hops on her glider and leads it back to the jungle. And this movie is bonkers. This is at the point I was like, I'm in. I don't know what's happening with this movie. And I think I'm not smart enough to understand it, but well, let's keep going. Uh, when she lands, she spots another ohm. They stare at each other for a moment until the ohm turns away and moves up, uh, moves away. Uh, up in the air, massive, massive bombers approach. Down below, the villagers search for their crops. Uh, let's see. The The ship was infected with spores, and they need to burn everything that they could find. Uh, other villagers find a massive pulsating cocoon in the wreckage. Lord Yupa tells Mito that it might be a dormant egg of one of the giant warriors, a monster from the old world, from the seven days of fire that has been unearthed by the Pegite uh, kingdom. The giant warriors oh, incinerated so bad the earth and then turned to stone when they were God. Damn, make this a damn video game. Seriously, guys, play Hyperlight Drifter. There's a lot of the same vibes here with the Titans, guys. It's so cool, man. It's so cool. Uh, Lord Yupa is worried by the whole situation. Why would the Tolmekians have a Pejite prisoner on board? What the hell's going on? The Tolmekian ship arrive, uh, sh airships arrive and land very sloppily on the ground. Soldiers pour out and head toward the king. Uh, Obaba stays by his side. Once upstairs, they apparently kill the king. Um, and then Nasca runs in and uses a tiny little polo stick to just utterly decimate all of these soldiers. Like, they um, killed the king just like outright. They just went in there and shot yeah, him, right? Him. Like yeah, they weren't. They, they were just like, oh. And then moments later, they're like, oh, it's cool. We come in peace, dude. No one freak out. Uh, yeah, I was. I was kind of confused yeah. by that because I felt like they showed much more um, resolve, or I, I guess I don't know. They they were so quick to kill the king, and then they were so hesitant to do anything else, <laughs> like with a with that sort of same force, which kind yeah. of threw me off. Well, also, I think that it's because Yupa comes in and sort of like just decompresses the situation and says, we're like, he tells, he has, he tells Nasca like, we can't do anything. 
Like, if you fight them, they're just going to kill everyone. So let's just capitulate. Also, they keep calling her princess, but, like, isn't she then the queen? If her dad the died? Once the king dies. Yeah, but that, you know, you have to figure the email takes a long time to get around. <laughs> like, I didn't see the Slack. Well, no, so that's not true. No, no, they no, no, no. But we saw, the email. Right now. <laughs> we saw the email go out moments after this where mm. the witch lady's like, I'll be a lot fucking easier to kill than our king, you right. assholes, which was really slick. Real good move but on. Then, yeah, was good. But you have to figure that Obaba or Sylvia has to coronate her as the king, as a queen. It just it, we'll we'll figure that out later when 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 we rescue everyone from the Olms in Act Three. Uh, of course, this is where we see Kushana. I think is how you say her name. Uh, she comes in dressed in full knight uh, uh, armor, which is super cool. Played, of course, by Uma Thurman. She addresses the villagers. She wants to unify the kingdoms and use their weapon to burn down the toxic jungle so humans can rule the world once again. Uh, Obaba tells them they need to stay away from the jungle. You mess with it, and it'll enrage the Ulm, who will stampede across the land and pretty much decimate everything. And when they die, their corpses will, will fill with spores and create more toxic jungle. And yeah, I'm like, gotta stay, stay out of the jungle. There's just too many trees, way too many bushes. I wish there was some way to, to deal with How all of that. How you trim them? How can you trim Ladies them? Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Summer's in full action. We're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping us fresh. Sun's out, bum's out, and hopefully your pubes are not out in that toxic jungle. Uh, Manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed below and above the belt. Uh, Manscaped's dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 or perfect package they're just trying to make sure that you are just fully groomed to the best of your abilities um and everyone around you is going to appreciate that gia appreciates it a lot i can tell you that much uh inside the perfect package you'll also find the manscaped crop preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day uh for a limited time you guys can get two free gifts a shed travel bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Uh, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MORNING at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MORNING at manscaped.com. Summer's here. It's time to manscape. Manscaped.com. 20% off. Use code MORNING. Back to the plot. Back to the Sup jungle. Support our sponsors so they know to support us, everybody. Thank you so much, Manscaped. Uh, the villagers, of course, are angry because uh, Obaba tells them that the Tolmachians killed their bedridden king. The villagers are get, get angry, but Nazca steps in and tells them they need to do, cooperate with the Tolmachians. They pull the cocoon out of the ship, uh, and Kuro Toa, uh, played by Chris Sarandon, which is just... So, are you guys familiar with this actor at all? Mm -mm. Chris Sarandon, of course, uh, it was King or Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride. <laughs> If you guys ever seen that movie, oh. he's just a weird ass pull for this specific character. And I think I don't think he understood what was going on in the movie because he plays <laughs> it so comically like, oh, I guess I'm OK now. Who cares? Whatever. But uh, he was a very weird character. Yeah. Odd character. <laughs> I don't think I don't know if he quite understood what was happening. But uh, to me, whatever. It was cool to see. It's cool to hear his voice. Uh, of course, he plays Kurotoa. Uh, excuse me. Kurotoa. Uh, wants to bring the monster back home, but Kushana has other plans. She's going to start her own kingdom first thing in the morning. She's going to take the five hostages and the princess and report back to Pegite. Uh, I'm not quite sure why she was doing that, but that's what she wanted to do. Meanwhile, they're supposed to stay there and hatch the monster so she could use it to basically just wreck shop. You buy me. Oh, shit. The Lou 55 says he was Jack Skellington. Oh, was he? Wow. Dude, that's cool as hell. 
That is very <laughs> right, Jack's character selection. That's cool. Uh, Yupa and Mito confer. Mito is gonna is going with Nasuka, and Yupa is gonna slip out and try to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, the only concern uh, right now should be that the warrior not hatch. Yupa heads up to Nasuka's room and to find uh, and he finds Teto scratching at a hidden door in the wall. When he heads downstairs to investigate, he finds the secret room she was talking about, which is actually a small garden down below, full of toxic plants, but. Uh, important to note, none of the air or water is toxic. She's pure. It's been, these have been purified because she has used the soil and the water from uh, well below the earth. And apparently all that stuff's good to go. And she's like, I don't know what to make of this, but if you dry this particular plant out and smoke it, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean, Andy? It's crazy, dude. Oh, it's crazy. Belinda. You know I love smoking it up, baby. Hey. <laughs> you know they used to, uh, there's a specific um, uh, uh, banana, Andy, that you could dry out the peel from and smoke it. It's called Mellow Yellow. And it apparently was great. I tried to do that when I was a kid because uh, my Uncle Jim told me about it. My parents were like, why are there fucking banana peels all over your windowsill? <laughs> And I was like, ah, I don't know. And apparently, I did. I, I, I guess Chiquita bananas, Belinda, don't work. Those aren't the right ones. Oh. No, um, I, I, I don't know why you went to Belinda there. I thought you were going to Belinda as if she's like the, the expert on Chiquita bananas. No, I just I just like to include everyone in uh, Nick's Carpino's board growing up in Riverside trying to get high antics. <sighs> it's okay, Kevin. I just I found cigarettes, and those were those were the jam for a very very long time. Um, ma, 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 ma. so uh, they have that conversation. Nasca is afraid for herself. She has just been enraged and, and basically killed a ton of people, and she's never seen that. So she's like, "All this shit has to stop." I don't like my myself when I'm like that. Of course, I guess your dad only dies once period so you're probably fine but anyway some kids give Nasca some some nuts as she's about to take off in the Tolmecan ship uh up in the sky a lone pegite gunship uh, uh comes uh, uh, flies high above the Tolmecan ships uh the valley prisoners note that the squadron is flying close together fearing an attack and of course that attack comes very quickly as Nasca spots the gunship attacking from above it blasts through the hull of the number two ship and then quickly makes uh work at the number three ship and uh some of the ships in the rear uh leaving only Nasca's ship um she goes outside to yell at him, and this is another thing. Like I think she does this at the end as well, where she kind of puts her arms out and in 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 sort of a uh, a protest of saying like I'm willing to sacrifice myself, but you need to stop what you're doing. And this is like the most. I think this is a great moment for her because instead of using a weapon to shoot him down, she just goes up there and like yells like stop, and like puts her yeah. arms out almost in an and, embrace. And, and it and it kind of creates this ghostly spirit that appears in front of him i, I wasn't sure well, what was happening there it's his sister it's listelle she looks like she, it actually flashes to the God, red okay, that, gotcha, that i missed that wearing and he gets reminded of her and he stops it and veers him off gotcha like, i missed that totally then because I, I thought like i, I at that second. point i thought oh she's got some powers like she's not just doing stuff with nature she's like a spirit of some sort i don't know i, I yeah, I don't I don't think it was supernatural. I think she just is so I think there is an element of something else going on with her because she is so in tune with other people's like emotions and empathetic states. But I think she just kind of puts herself out there and is willing to sacrifice herself for other people. And that just has like powerful effects on everyone around her because she has the same moment later when she attacks that like airship that's carrying the the little baby ohm. Um, and we get we get another similar thing where the guy's trying to he's like I don't want to shoot at her because I've never seen anyone just blatantly come at me like this and sacrifice yeah. themselves or something. Yeah, it's, but it's, I feel like the other guy's talking. like fuck this, scoot over. Yeah, the, old, but the older guy was like yeah. I'm a shooter. <laughs> yeah, again we get another old versus young. Like the younger guy's like I don't want to do this, and the old guy's like just fucking pull the trigger, man. It's yeah. a fifty cal. It shoots itself. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Kushana spots 
them. Uh, he gets shot down, and Asuka and Mito head to the cargo hold to jump in uh, another gunship. Uh, Kushana spots them, and so Nasuka yells for her to jump on board as the rest of the ship is just being burned around her. Uh, they bounce out and fly below the clouds to rescue the cargo barge that has been separated from the fleet, uh, carrying the rest of her people. Uh, and another dope-ass 80s beat plays as they fly into the toxic cloud. Uh, they spot the barge, but the tow hook has been broken, uh, and they can't understand what she's saying. They're sc- she's screaming to them to like, they're going to drop her a line and they can't understand. So she takes her mask off another moment where she just says, fuck it and takes the mask off. And they're like, put your mask back on. And she's like, I'm fine. And then when she lands, she's like, Oh, I don't feel so good. I did in fact, inhale some of those spores. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, they throw out uh, all of their cargo and land in the water below. Kushana, Kushana, pulls a gun out on them, but Nasuka reminds her that if she pulls the trigger, it will it further enrage the insects that are flying above, and they're ready to pounce already. Uh, of course, she doesn't listen and pulls the trigger anyway, but Nasuka tells her to calm down and stop being afraid. Uh, and this is a turning point for uh, Thurman's character here, too, where she's like, what is going on with this princess? How is she just dealing with this so much differently than the rest of us? Instead of violence, she deals with it with compassion, which is fucking nuts. Uh, of course, before she can further, uh, reason further, a pack of ohms ascend uh, from the water below. Nasuka tells everyone to stay calm. She asks them for forgiveness, and they reach out to her with their, I'm assuming, feelers. What do we call these things? Is that what insects tentacles, have? Feelers, right? yeah. Tentacles, tentacles, feelers. Little, a lot of little tongues. Let's, let's not call them tentacles. Ones. I'm going to go feel yeah. feelers. Yeah, we're we're okay with tongues? We feel okay with tongues? No, we're going to say feelers. No. No they okay seem with like a bunch of little tongues, right? Tiny no. tongues are creepier than, than tentacles. Tiny I think feelers, yeah. Andy, stick your tongue out right now. Someone comp Andy's tongue over the rest of this frame. And that's that's how gross it's going to be. I want I want the same. I want you to just copy and paste it from the top left hand corner and just give me ranks of his little tongue and just leave his face. Have you ever looked at a cat's tongue? Yeah, I forgot where this came up recently, but I, I didn't know that it had weird ass like little sharp things on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You itself. know what's crazy, Tim? Lions also have big versions of it and it does oh. not feel good. Because it's That's meant to scary. remove the meat off of bones they're licking. Oh, oh like Jesus Christ. That's something I'll get out of my head. Thanks, Kev. terror. Okay. Let's see. Uh, before they can reason further. Okay. Yeah. They so they so they surround her and they and we get that there's a lot more to these ohms than meets the eye again because they sort of like empathetically can feel her emotional state and like she, her apology. Uh, and so they start to work their way off and they kind of like in, encapsulate her and entomb her and they reach. And this is where we get another one of those moments where they kind of I don't know if they're reaching into her mind or what's going on here, but we get. We start getting the seeds of that flashback of her as a child. We hear the music. We hear the singing. We see her floating in the the, uh, the uh, you know symbolic field of wheat. That's the golden field of wheat that that Obama was talking about in the first act, where she was talking about that the character will be here. But we see her, and we're starting to get the, that that imagery as well. Uh, and then we're snapped out of it uh, when uh, we see the pilot from Pegite, who's still alive. Um, and, and then all the ohms get just red with rage. Their eyes go super red and they go after him. Nasuka grabs her glider and tells them to take off, tells the, the barge and her people to take off as soon as the water's clear. And she heads off with the insect swarm. Uh, of course, when we catch up with the Pegite prisoner, uh, he's being overrun by the insects. He's trapped on a cliff and he's run out of ammo. So he has no other option but to jump off. As he does so, we see a dragonfly go after him and it's about to eat him. But who should save him? Of course, it's Nausicaa with the glider. scary. Yeah. The, these things uh, are like terrifying, man. I, you're talking about the big worm creature looking like thing, right? Yeah. Like, it was like a millipede, yeah. right? Yeah, like a well, flying millipede thing. It's yeah. terrifying. Here's the thing. Um, so gross. Bugs are terrifying. We all know they that. They are. They should all be right. killed. 
Have you we guys ever seen millipedes eat like rats? Because no. you no, can, I never that's want what to. they I do. People it. have no. giant millipedes or centipedes, and they feed like mice and rats to it. I don't and like it's that. Horrifying. Don't don't YouTube it. I won't. I absolutely. Which ones I have. <laughs> Huh? Centipedes are the dangerous ones, right? I don't know, man. They're fucking terrifying. All right, they're it's they're awful legs. creatures, and frankly, they shouldn't. Oh, you know, it reminds me of the time that Andy introduced me to dog cat. Is that what it's called, Andy? Where it's like it's just something smashed together, and you don't know where the butt is, and you're like, "What is this horrible abomination?" Wait, did they're Andy like, really? Dog? All right, guys, I'm dog? out. Bye. <laughs> Are you talking about cat dog? The cartoon? Yeah, that's what I want. Cat dog. <laughs> I was like, dog. <laughs> is it cat dog? See, this is where my mind goes because I put dogs first, Kevin. Of course I do. Oh, oh, best. Everybody knows that. Oh, Nick, that's the perfect way to get yourself out of the situation. So good. I put dogs first. You fit Nick. I digress, everyone. Um, let's see she makes a note she says like i have to rescue i gotta get you out of here i can't calm them anymore because you've done far too much killing to calm the insects uh they gotta escape the old-fashioned way by basically just crashing underneath uh, into the into the floor below they plunge into it of course and they crash through it and you guessed it guys what do they land in tim the second scariest thing the 80s have to offer quicksand what's the first andy okay. lasers. lasers lasers we've already learned lasers. this thing quicksand. guys just protect yourself from the two most deadliest things from three, four decades ago. Uh, of course, they land in the quicksand and they start to get engulfed by it. Uh, and Asbel, who is the Pegite uh, uh, soldier, tries to save the princess but cannot. And along with the glider, they all get sucked under. Uh, Nasca, of course, has another vision of herself as a child. Uh, this is the one where we see her saving the baby Ohm from some of the soldiers that want to kill it, but it's super sad because they tear it out of her arms anyway. And they say that insects and humans cannot live in the same world. And she's like, I beg to differ. Um, she wakes up as Teto is snuggling her face, proving once again that if a cat looked like this and acted like this, cats would be a-okay in my book, but they don't. If you a cat that looks like that, spawn. and I will bring it to you. Thank you. If you find a cat that looks like that, bring it to me, and then we'll have the fun conversation with my wife about keeping it, and I guarantee she'll say it's one or the other, and I'll probably Nick. get out on my ass. <laughs> she'll, kick me out. she'll kick me out. I would love it yeah. if she was like, you can have the cat, but you have to get rid of three shirts. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Damn it! I just walk in. I've got one. I've just got the KFAF Pride shirt left. That's it. Uh, of course, looking around, she sees when she wakes up. She looks around and sees the vast remnants of an old forest uh, that are like basically the tree trunks look very, very normal. What you expect, but when she looks up, the canopy above uh, is where the toxic jungle uh, is is forming. Uh, Asbel brings Nausicaa her glider and uh, introduces himself. Uh, they fill through the hole apparently above in the toxic jungle and sand. Uh, uh, let's see. Sand in the pocket of clean air. Oh, okay. So they basically the, the idea here is that she looks up and she she figures out that the sand is like petrified and purifying, and when it falls through, it's basically everything everything down there, the air, the water has been purified, and she surmises from that that the jungle above is having some sort of effect that when the trees themselves die above, they petrify and they come down and they form soil that can be usable and potable for uh, for humans. It's really, really I, cool. I love where she cries here. It's just so it's yeah. beautiful. And like, like, and, and, and so he's happy. like, yeah. And she's like, I'm. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, 
And of course, it proves your theory from earlier that the forest is actually part of all of all the restoration process. And then, of course, needs to be saved. Turns out uh, Asbel is Listel's brother. He thanks Nasca for staying her, by her side while she died. Um, the trees of the toxic jungle must have evolved to purify the earth from all the toxins left over from the humans. Once they die, they become petrified and fall into the earth, forming underground caverns of purified air and water. That's what I wrote there. The insects evolved to guard the place, which is super cool. So basically, like, like the, it's like a, a defense mechanism so the earth can heal itself. It's all true. Humans are screwed. It's going to take thousands of years to purify the earth, and humans can't last that long, says Asbel. They're going to have to stop the jungle somehow. And Nazca's like, have you fucking not listened to anything that I say? You sound exactly like the Tolmecians. You don't understand what's going on. War is not the answer. You can't burn down this forest. We need it. Uh, over in the Valley of the Wind, Yupa watches as the Tolmecians continue to awake the warrior, uh, Kuratoa receives word that the princess's ship has gone down and he's like thank god it's my time to shine now guys i got this and everyone's like what the fuck is this guy talking about uh he tells his commander not to inform the villagers um just keep keep waking up the warrior and he's gonna take it shopping i imagine or maybe to starbucks i don't know what his plan is but it's not as good as uma thurman's mito and the team return uh yupa tells uh Wait, Kushana, one, one quick question yeah was uma thurman like sh- i know that was she the boss because it yes. sounds like she was taking back or like she had some plan to go back and talk to some people. She's the princess. She of is the princess? Yeah. Tolmikia or whatever. So she was taking it back to the king and queen. I don't. I don't know she why. She's like, I don't want to deal with those people. Is what she said. Some something like that. As she's going back, like she doesn't want the the warrior, the large warrior, once referred to as mm-hmm. a robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some people, some people still think it's a robot. A lot of people do. A lot of a mud despite, robot. Despite a mud robot. You know what I mean? Despite there nope. being absolutely zero evidence. Does robot contract. mean metal? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think it does. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's an actual what synonym is a robot? Are you a robot, Kevin? I feel like a robot sometimes inside. You know what I mean? Push the robot's a machine. Yeah, but like a machine. You know, an android's in a machine. You know what I mean? And Cats they can be flesh. Mean. And they Cats can be can flesh. Look, look flesh off a bone. Anyways. I'm, I'm going to tell you that look at you, you ever seen a millipede eat a fucking bird? Guys, it's <laughs> fucking terrifying. Their mouth works way more, like, more effectively than it looks like it works. It's Let's, horrifying. I want to let you guys know that uh, when you Wikipedia robot, the entry is extremely long. And it is probably seven or eight paragraphs down to till the word metal is even brought up wow. and it's Thank only you, brought Tim. up in the sense that robots were made to just move metal kevin mm. wow that's what i'm talking kevin about McGraw. organic kevin robots McGraw. are still robots kevin you know what i mean um let's see me to the team return <laughs> <laughs> talk about it later. Organic. Talk about it later. Yeah, well, it's not fully formed yet. That's why. Uh, Yupa tells Kishana that they'll let her go if she promises to drown the warrior in the acid lake. But the other kingdoms won't stop trying to revive the warrior. She says they'll come for it. So I gotta, re- I gotta revive it first, which is the age-old sort of like, uh, hey, we gotta build the nukes before they build the nukes. Because if we have the nukes first, then we'll be able to stop them from having the nukes. And we all know how that turned out in the eighties, right? That's why I've got three heads. Uh, a small child comes to tell them that some of the spores survived and are spreading poison throughout the valley. Uh, Chris Sarandon is who I'm going to tell him, so I stopped slaughtering his uh, his Japanese name. Gives the villagers Jack Skellington, dude. Yeah, thank you. Uh, back of their tools so they can fight the spores, but not their guns. Uh, but a Baba comes and and tells them that the whole forest is doomed. They got to burn everything down. And everyone's like, "Why is your first instinct, old lady, <laughs> just to burn shit?" And she's like, "I want to give everyone the rotten apple." No, I'll go to sleep. I love that. Like they do not have the luxury and time to like be like, "Hey, 
Let's figure out where it is and how where it's spread. It's just like fucking burn it and burn it right now. We do not Sorry. have. They say that themselves. They're like, we don't have time to mess around. Give mm. me my match. Uh, let's see. Uma Thurman left alone, of course, frees herself. Uh, and it's it's at one point she notes that she's lost a lot to the toxic jungle. One of which is her hand, and we see her uh, legs as well are kind of robotic. So we we can we can discern that she makes the comment about like whatever future husband has like is going to see a lot more than this. Basically, like I think she's miss, missing a lot of body parts. Um, they find the dead ohm at the heart uh, of the. Uh, okay, so uh, Nausicaa and of course Asbel reach uh, idle high above the jungle where there are no insects in sight. Insects in sight. They approach Pegite and find a haze over the city. Uh, as they get a little closer, they find it's a it's in smoldering ruins with dead bugs everywhere. And they find uh, the corpse of a dead ohm at the heart of the city. It's the destroyed capital. Uh, they spot a Pegite airship landing ahead of them. Uh, the mayor of Pegite, played, of course, as Tim noted by um, Mark Hamill, tells Asbel the plan is in motion to get the warrior back from the village of the wind by luring insects into the valley and destroying the whole thing. Uh, Nasca tries to escape to warn her people, but they restrain her. She tells them if they burn down the toxic jungle, it'll ruin the earth. It's the only thing purifying the pollution and the insects are there to protect it. Burn it, uh, burn it down and they'll die of pollution. And everyone's like this. That's someone else's problem, guys. Global warming's not real. It's not real. It's someone else's problem. Which is why, guys, I don't have kids. Uh, Asbel jacks a gun and tries That's to free out. That's not why kids. You're not mature enough for it. <laughs> I am a child. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you ever seen a kid raise another kid? It does not. Yeah, it's well. bad. <laughs> Nick, uh, hey, Nick. You yeah. ever seen a millipede eat a rat? Andy, just watch it. It's it's the kind of shit that's gonna ruin your weekend. Tim, okay. I like that you're wearing you like saying uh, don't YouTube it. Now you're saying <laughs> I just want Andy to watch it because it's like he he's like keeps throwing out there like oh funny. It's fucked up, and that like gives so much context to this goddamn giant centipede that almost ate the kid. Remember? That's why I was yeah. bringing it up because yeah. I know what it would look like if it grabbed him and started eating his face. You guys want to yeah. see the real? You guys want to see some added layers to Lion King? Google lions eating deer and just and that'll just tell you everything you need to know about Simba. Uh, I do yeah. want to note quickly that Tim looks like he's wearing the away jersey for the Coca Cola team, which is awesome. Let's <laughs> go, <laughs> baby. Yeah, like normally it's red when they play at home, but when they go, uh, away, gotcha. That's that's, that's that's their special anniversary edition. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dope. <laughs> dope. Uh, let's Remember see. When we got this, Nick. We got this I, together. Oh, did we really? That's yeah, a cool Atlanta. Shirt. Oh yeah, when I hug when I hug the polar bear, you that's when you could bear. hug things. Yeah. Now you can't get it. You got to be six feet away and hug with your eyes. Andy, I'm hugging you with my eyes. Andy, you want to see some fucked up shit? Look up polar bear eating baby seal. <laughs> it's horrifying. I'll tell you everything you need to know about those Coca-Cola commercials if you know what I mean. Andy, <laughs> Andy, they like to have fun with them too, oh, and it's not oh, the kind of fun that we're used in. to. Kevin, why? <laughs> for everyone. Uh, let's see. Kashana looks down into the valley below where she sees the villagers overpowering the Tolmecan soldiers. Uh, Chris Sarandon, Jack Skellington watches as some villagers uh, hijack a tank. Uh, Uma Thurman arrives and Skellington relinquishes control as the villagers fall back. And he's like, well, there goes my dream. And everyone's like, you're a useless character. All the villagers fall back to the, uh, the ancient uh, ship near the Acid Lake. Up in the air, a Tolmecan ship spots. Sorry, hold a sec. Uh, spots the airship from Hedgite, which holds Nausicaa's prisoner. Uh, Lestelle's mother, played by Jody Benson, uh, rescues Nausicaa. She meets up with Asbel, and together they head over to the glider. Uh, when they try to launch the Tolmecians, open fire, forcing the ship into the storm of the toxic clouds. I love the scene. Uh, when they pop out the other side, they're met by the by the Tolmecians, who attempt to board the ship. Um, we get a lot of like midair pirate like uh, stuff going on here, and I'm like, hey, Chris Nolan. I see where you stole that scene from Dark Knight Rises. You know what I'm talking about? Plane, plane. 
Why the fire rises, brother? Do I have to stay here? Yeah, you have to stay here. Why why do I have to stay here? They're expected to find one of us. Who? They don't even know who we are. Yeah, but I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) You're always asking too many questions. Um, Nasca wants to stay, but Asbel pleads with her to go and save her people. Wait, He's like, real quick, you. did you not like that that Batman movie? Or like, because I couldn't tell. Eh? <laughs> no, it was just a weird. It was just a weird <laughs> movie. Like, oh, brother, you have to stay. The guy's like, I don't have to stay. No, like, but like the guy was like, yes, babe. Like, yeah. Remember, he was like I totally like, all in. Like, cool way to be like to get rid of coworkers you don't like. We're like, no, brother. Oh, the, Nick, like, I, I think about that very order. often. I know we could easily kill him. No, no one would know. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. I love your hair. It looks great. Right now. Thank you. Looks great right now. Show us the away jersey one more time. Show us our king. Right. <laughs> there, there it is. There it is. Ah, uh, man. Hey, shout out. You know what I'm talking about, Andy? Woo! You know what I'm saying, baby? Come on. Is, baby. Come, Come on. Come on. Baby. I thought about you. I almost got a cherry uh, Coke here the other day. I'm sorry, I'm Belinda. I don't know why I invited you on this show. I, I, that, <laughs> this Belinda is like did all the worst thing with the millipedes. next to watching millipedes eat rats. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm just trying to add context to the movie on like how mm-hmm. fucked up it would have been if her little glider didn't catch. We get it. Because his it. head would have just been chopped in half right there. That's what was about to happen, just so you guys know. I didn't want to get graphic, but you've made me do it. There it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. Uh, the Tomekian soldiers reach the cargo hold, uh, but Asbel pushes her uh, Inazuka and her glider out of the launch bay as he fights them off. Uh, she and Teto watch as the battle continues aboard the Pejite ship. The Tomekian uh, ship charges, uh, changes course, excuse me, to pursue her, but instead is met by Mito and Lord Yupa's gunship, who deliver a fatal blow to the Tomekians. Uh, then Yupa, just like a fucking G, just jumps aboard the Pejite ship and just wrecks all of the Tomekian guards. The way he actually jumps on, where he's doing this little. You know, thing so cool, and they're like the anyone that kills him will be famous forever, and they all go after him, and they're all gonna be dead. Yeah, it reminded it reminded me of uh, incredible movie and film history, um, where Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious jumps, does a jumping headbutt move. Remember that? Mm -hmm. That's the power of that. That's what it reminded me of. The, great, the thing about me of Captain America in the elevator, and he's surrounded by all oh, these yeah. people, and he wrecks them. Or Optimus mm-hmm. Prime in Revenge of the Fallen in the forest. He we, no one remembers that, that scene. But Nobody still. remembers that scene, Tim. I forgot we, we all, we all blocked that scene out of our mind. <laughs> <sighs> High tension wires. Man, these movies are Damn. so much better than those movies, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> thank God we're doing this. What's wrong with Society today. Uh, anyway, so uh, Nasca pushes uh, the, the gunship that she's in with Mito to the limits so she can reach the valley in time. Uh, Uma Thurman and her soldiers have the valley people pinned down in the ancient abandoned ship. Uh, we get a touching scene where three villagers who stole the tank are, are being held hostage by uh, the Tomekians, and they they tell her how different she is from Nasca and how they uh, they should find a way to live in harmony with the forest only. Uh, and only use she's like I'm gonna burn everything down he's like you're missing the point and you're nothing like our princess I love this scene so much because the villagers reflect how their leadership is acting so Mm -hmm. you can totally see the difference between all of the villages and important note this is a turning point for um, the the princess the Tomekian princess um, because she's like she kind of switches, flips the switch. She's like, I want to talk to Nasuka now. Now I want to get to know her. Like, I don't, before I just wanted to destroy everything, which this perspective is clearly maybe a little different than mine. It might be a good idea to listen to potentially. Uh, of course, then she's like, nah, uh, I'm going to, nah. I'm just going to kill everyone instead. Um, 
she orders an attack as the winds die, uh, and and this is a cool thematic moment where like the winds die down, and Obaba feels it too. Something is very very wrong. The atmosphere is saturated with anger. Uh, Nasika and Mito notice a red glow coming from the ground below. It's a massive herd of Ohm heading toward the valley. Something out there is calling for the herd and making them stampede. Uh, Mito sends a flare out as they spot, and then uh, the flare illuminates uh, kind of like a hot. I want to say I'm going to call it a hot air balloon, even though it's not, but it looks like the the, the basket of a hot air yeah. balloon. It's carrying a uh, a small uh, baby ohm that's being basically tortured. They've like they've lag bolted in the most graphic way. Yeah, yeah it's really, and it's, it's bleeding really, out, it, dude. It is bleeding a lot. Mm-hmm. Kushana has Very chosen. Uh, let's see, Nasuka rips. Uh, uh, this is cool. She like gets pissed off and she rips off like a little handle from the cockpit and uses it as a makeshift zipline, and the ziplines up to her her so glider. Cool. Dope. She's like she tells Mito to head uh, to war in the valley, and she's going to take care of this own situation. Uh, Kashana has, of course, chosen the bloody path and orders her troops to move in while she watches. Her people fire on the gunship, uh, but she orders them when she sees them firing on Nasuka's gunship. She orders them to stop because she wants to know what happened to Nasuka, and this is, uh, I think, a little bit of a turning point for her. Uh, Mito tells them that the Ohm Stampede about the Ohm Stampede and tells everyone to get to high ground while Nasuka tries to save them all. Uh, Obapa then tells a group of small children that they're all fucked and they're all going to die, uh, but Mito tells everyone Poor, super, mature, that super mature thing to do. As long as the princess hasn't hasn't given up, neither will we. Um, then Kushana orders her soldiers to hold off the stampede while she finishes waking the warrior. Uh, out at the baby Ohm site, Nausicaa attempts to reason with the balloon pilots, but which works on one of them who sees, of course, the image of their lost princess. Um, or the other lost princess, excuse me. She hops aboard, getting a shot, but she actually hops aboard the balloon. She gets shot in the process, but succeeds in taking the whole ship down. Uh, the baby Ohm's eyes flash red as Nasca cries and asks for forgiveness. She tries to stop it from moving uh, as it starts moving toward uh, uh, the... It wants to move toward the... the the, the herd, but it's bleeding to death. And of course, off in the distance, the stampede realizes that and approaches it, changes courses. Uh, Nasca tries the baby, tries to stop the baby from going into the acid lake uh, because it'll die. And then, of course, she burns her foot in the process, which this act of kindness and sacrifice snaps the ohm out of its rage. And then it, uh, it uses its feelers to scan Nasica. Uh, she cries by its side, and everything seems okay until she sees the herd change direction once again back toward the valley. Uh, she picks up the 50 cal. And tells the Tomekian pilots to take her and the baby to the herd. And the pilot's like, I don't know if I want to do that. And the other guy's like, she's holding a 50 caliber machine gun. Do what she says. <laughs> and not only is she holding it, but she's holding it with zero effort. She's just like, you know what I mean? Like the fucking smart guns. Those aren't like She's, Those aren't she's light. serious. She's right. Uh, then we go back to the valley and another kid asks Obaba if they're going to die. And she says uh, basically nothing oh, to comfort yes. the poor kid. Yes. Uh, again, up on the hill, Kashada rides a tank onto the ridge. Uh, and then right behind her, the giant warrior emerges from the sand. Um, and man, this thing could have used a few more minutes to cook in the oven. If you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like a piece of lasagna that you try to cut into and the whole thing just like uh, it just goes everywhere. <laughs> Isn't and it usually like, the oh, lasagna is overcooked? Awesome. That the lasagna is there? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so it would, I guess it would be because the pasta is breaking up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's yeah. It's a good point. And I, actually, that doesn't even work for the next analogy I have, which is like it's like the. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I don't know. It's a good point. I like to. I like to be corrected on these things. I go back and I redo all these notes because one day I'm going to put them out as a, as a book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that. That's a good way. idea, actually, dude. No, it isn't. That's I just I, I have to go back and edit a lot of them because some of the more dirty humor that's more Tim oriented. 
uh, mostly it's just towards him and, and his hair and his body. I have to edit out. So it, can it, you imagine if all a... these were were typed out and PDF'd or whatever, and we made it a digital book, and we got? I think that's illegal. Dave Fenoy to do the voiceover. I think that's Holy illegal shit. though. Like I, I audio book. The... We'll, send, we'll send him a note telling when we're doing it. Yeah, just tell him. Yeah, just let him you know. know first I mean, you can't time. be like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna summarize your your movie." <laughs> We and we're gonna it. pay an actor. Kevin, we make it a Patreon product. Nobody's gonna get mad at us. Dude. Oh right, because then they're not. It's a free perk. They're paying for the like calendar, right? We'll send Tim. Out. Hey Tim, remember when you? We're stealing your shit. Love. I, I, I was gonna say, Tim, remember when? <laughs> Does anybody else remember when Tim was like, Andy, I want us to do a Patreon exclusive Fast and Furious poster, but it's just gonna be art of the Fast and Furious movies, and I was like, that has nothing to do with kind of funny, Tim. <laughs> And he was like, nah, but it'll look cool on my wall. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Hey, I still stand by it. It would look really cool. <laughs> uh, up on the hill, it's, this thing comes out, and it looks, it starts melting like that dude from RoboCop that, that smashed into the vat of toxic waste. Uh, regardless, it's still able to spit fire at the herd, uh, but the massive blast fails to stop all of the ohm. They continue. Um, they hit it again, but the second blast is all the warrior can take, and then it soon falls apart around Kashana. Uh, the, really the a child... disappointment, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Very much. They were like, oh, happened. look, he's gonna... Hmm? Uh, the children, of course, uh, back on the hill, note that the giant warrior <laughs> died, and then Obaba tells them that that's the way it should be. The anger of the ohm reflects the anger of the earth. If we have to rely on the protection of the warrior monster, we deserve to die. And it's at this point that I'd be like, hey, kids, let's go over here and let Grandma Obaba have some space. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just give her a little space because she is not dealing with this situation appropriately. No. She reminds me of my grandma, Rinaldi, who, like, whenever, anytime anything would happen, she would just... She would just get stone cold and get pissed off and just get confronted with violence. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry cool. about that, Nick. Yeah, she just me and my brother in the closet. She would just throw us in the closet and lock us in there for a little bit. To be fair, we were assholes. So we both were giggling and be like, we deserve this. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Where'd we get these Bud Lights from? We're four. Anyway, uh, the Ohm rammed the ship, bringing the hull down on the villagers inside as a thick cloud of dust kicks up into the air. Uh, Yupa and Asbel approach in the Pejite ship. Uh, they watch as little by little the Ohm herd's rage subsides, uh, and they turn blue again, and they're like, what the heck is going on? And the villagers watch as the baby Ohm... Um, excuse me, I, I skipped a spot here. I'm sorry, I apologize. But that, uh, let's go back a little bit. Uh, Nausicaa sends the, flies in uh, and sets the baby Ohm down directly in the path of the stampede as they're surrounding that ship. Uh, and in doing so, she gets punted into the air, and her lifeless body kind of goes up, and you're like, oh, shit, she is dead as doornails. And then, of course, Yupa and Asbel approach, and they watch as all of the herd uh, that was previously trying to kill the villagers turns to blue, and they subside. Um, and then uh, they the villagers uh, pop out of their ship, and they look down, and they watch as the uh, the baby Ob, Ohm crawls to the side of Nasca's body. Uh, Obaba tells the kids that the princess has quieted the rage in the air. She's given her life to save the valley. And at this point, again, I'd be like, just grandma, shut up. This is not, you're not making it any better. Uh, one of the ohms, of course, reaches its feelers out and lifts Nasca into the air. Uh, its feelers are joined by those of the surrounding ohm and a sparkle uh, of, of, of a sparkle like, excuse me, a sparkle of light fills the oh, air, uh, bringing real Nasca. Quick, before we get, before we get to this really magical, beautiful moment, I, I would love for a coroner to have diagnosed exactly how she died because like she had to have broken every damn bone it, like oh, yeah. with these giant bugs running over her she should have just been mush like there there shouldn't have been 
a recoverable body, body you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, very true. Uh, let's see. They, of course, all the feelers join in from all the ohm around her, and they lift her in the air, and, and we get this beautiful golden light. Uh, and then we hear her childhood singing again as she and Teto look down. They wake up, they look down, and see the baby ohm healthy and back in its mother's embrace. Ababa cries as the children tell her. She asks. She, she's kind of blind. She's like, I can't really see what's going on. All the other children are like, really? This whole time you haven't been able to see what's going on. Why are you terrifying us then, old lady? <laughs> you really don't know what's happening. Uh, Somebody get Obaba her bottle. If you don't <laughs> get her her curds juice. Anyway, Obaba uh, <laughs> cries as the children tell her that the princess, she's like, describe to me what's happening. And she says, well, the princess is dressed in a beautiful blue gown and she's walking on this uh, this golden sort of field. And she's like, it's the prophecy I told you guys about. It's the prophecy. The legend has come uh, tr- uh, through. True. Excuse me. Fuck yeah. Uh, up in the air, Nasca's gl- uh, glider floats in the returning wind, and all the villagers are super stoked. Like the wind's back, everything's going to be okay. Uh, the villagers and the Tolnakians alike celebrate. Uh, Asbel uh, lifts Nasca into the air as the Ohm return to the jungle. And then, under the ending, ending credits, we see Nasca speaking uh, for a moment with Kushana before the, she takes off on the Tolnakian ship, and the forces leave the valley, hopefully for good. Um, peace and prosperity is restored to the valley. And then uh, the final shot is Nasca and Yupa ride into the caves where we see a glimpse of a small little tree growing underneath the toxic forest. What a quick cut to credits. It was just like, yeah. oh, shit, we're done. Yeah. But then I liked that they kind of gave the epilogue there's a little in the credits, there, which yeah. was really cool. But like, I also don't know if that's just because we've become so accustomed to movies getting drawn out for a long-ass time afterwards. You that know is what exactly I mean? like, why. Yeah. That is exactly why. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like the end of Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon, where it just kind of ended out in the Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seven <laughs> syllables in the middle. You need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku interview. Haiku interview. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form, just like awesome Ethan did. My favorite one. So pure, calm, brutal, and grand. Nazica. I stand. That was a good one. Good job, Ethan. Uh, Samuel Griffin says, even Steven's back. Nausicaa needed some pants. Joe Hisiashi, G-O-A-T. There you go. Or goat, I imagine. The goat. Because that's too many syllables. Um, Parker says, Ohm are so cute. Love nature. Stop polluting. The valley will heal. I don't know that I'd call them cute. The Ohm? The little baby Ohms? They're cute. I th- I think when they... The I think tentacles my, are I, definitely not cute. I think oh. it's the big eyes. Like, when when it when it's the close-up mm. shot with the crazy FOV of the big feelers, like, running and shit, ah. I think it's really scary. I like the little but legs. When it's the big eyes, just kind of, like, blue, and it's like, ah, oh, they're peaceful, Wait, you know? those little the legs... The baby one is for sure cute. Those little yeah, legs yeah. weren't for running, were they? I think like, so. Uh, it, did, I mean, did they fucking... move like a worm? It did, but it also had these like. I thought yeah. there was just like excitement, you know, like we're gonna kill no. things. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't we're pulling. Get them. <laughs> That's not pulling it to wait. Like they're like not sturdy enough to do that. Um, the air barber says Lupin didn't hit, but Nausicaa was the shit. War kills, nature heals. And the final one, Andrew Feistner comes in with Nausicaa wholesome. The valley air is poison. Just wear a dang mask. I love Great. that. Yeah, there are several funny. moments where they're like, put on the damn mask. <laughs> um, now it's time for, for Ragu MVP. Gugu. Oh. No, this one is just MVP. Oh, gotcha. I, I, again, it's another one where it like, has to be so dope. 
Patrick so Stewart, dope. dude. That's so awesome. I'm gonna give uh, it to this is one of those those times where I'm like I give it to the protagonist. And I know that it's movies are set up that way, but I feel like MVP a lot of the time we give it to the thing that's coolest, and she's fucking cool consistently. Yeah. But is she I cooler than, than Patrick Stewart? Yeah, oh, she glides crazy. Bro. <laughs> she oh, does she glide, glide, dude. I think she I is. think she Mito's saves cool. him in that in that first. Yeah, Mito's right. cool but too. he like then saves a bunch of people, you know. But also remember remember Patrick Stewart just. Taking a blade to his fucking forearm yeah. oh and just like God, holding just it there in, and being yeah. like, everybody oh. chill out. And you see the blood pour, start pouring out. And it's really scary because at that point, I don't know what his future is. <laughs> like, I, don't, <laughs> I, I wish know I could say it was Tato, but it's not. He's cool, but he doesn't. I wish he had a moment, like his own moment. Well, but. Tato, I think, deserves a lot of credit because Tato survived inside of her shirt when she mm-hmm. was flown, thrown up into the air at least a mile. That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. We can do most you valuable know? pet. We can do most valuable pet. Yeah. Most valuable Okay, pet you know what? Tato. Fuck it. I'll give him MVP. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, but do we put him above or below Fujiko from Cagliostro? Below. Below. Okay. Ah, she was cool though, man. She was, yeah, man. There you go, Tato yeah. from Nazica. All right, now it's time to rank it. Obviously, oh, you all right said now. below. I don't know why I, mi- I mistook below for above. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no, she's she's cooler than them. Yeah. Uh, number one, we have Castle of Cagliostro. Where do we think Nazica of the Valley of the Wind falls? I'm gonna be the first person to say that I think that this is gonna be the the. I'm probably gonna be alone here, but I do think that I prefer Cagliostro over this. I like mm-hmm. this a lot. I think it's awesome, but there's just something where I, I just really like the the humor and the vibe. And I yeah. think that oh, it's a different well, movie. both movies did really good job introducing me to a world, following the world's rules, like creating like characters that I gave a shit about. Uh, but there's just something where I like my personal taste align with the more kind of fun, like seventies buddy copy feeling uh, vibes that the Lupin gave me. But it's pretty close. Um, I really really like Lupin, but I like this better. Like just overall, I felt like this story. Had me engaged more the whole time. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd go with the, the the. I mean, the cast of characters, the um, the themes, the story, the world, the world building. I thought this movie is awesome. Like, I, I'm so glad we're doing this series, or else this is a movie that I just would have never seen. I definitely would put it over um, Lupin for me. I might. It might even be in my top three for the entire series. Wow. But we'll see. wow. I love it so much. Wow. But, yeah. It's too Mick. early to tell. Um, I I have a soft spot in my heart for a castle like Cagliostro, and I think I'm going to put that a nudge above Nausicaa, but if Nausicaa gets put above it on the list, I'm not going to be mad about that. These are, I think they're very, very, very different movies, but this movie is stunning and beautifully made and very, very unbelievable for like a second film that someone did. Yeah. Uh, I just I'm with Tim where I just love the fun kind of carefree, silly uh, spy criminal vibe, like thief vibe of Cagliostro. So that's just because it's more fun. This is a lot more serious and like beautiful. And and I think that this deserves to be high up on the list. Again, if it gets put above Cag- Cagliostro, I'm not going to hate it. It's not and gonna it does right now. Number one, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. Number two, Castle of Cagliostro. Uh, next week, we're doing Castle in the Sky. Who has seen that? I've never. Belinda never. and Kevin. It's true. The rest of us, virgins going into the castle. I've only seen uh, I've only seen Mononoke, House Moving Castle, 
and uh, Totoro. Uh, Totoro, yeah. yeah. I hope you guys like robots. Until next time. Ha uh, bye, everybody.